Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations with the intention of demystifying, destigmatizing, and desensitizing what really gets talked about behind the closed doors of the therapy room. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Selkin. And we're seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. So join us as we dive into the ways that therapy can be connecting not only to yourself, but also to those around you. Welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. We have another one of our coaching sessions for you guys today. This one is with Simone. It was interesting, actually. I think um, we had a really great conversation with her. Mm-hmm. Um, she was super knowledgeable in the world of like therapy and you know self betterment, all the things. She's done a ton of it, a ton of kind of self work. Yes. She was someone that we almost wished we had more than a half hour, I think, because there was like a lot to unpack and Mm -hmm. it just really didn't feel like enough time. And, you know, I thought you made a really powerful sort of intervention with Simone, which is just this idea of the spiritual bypass, right? Something a lot of us have heard about, maybe not, but, you know, the, the idea that we can do so much inner work, we can do so much of the yoga, the meditation, the chanting, the whatever we're doing to sort of do healing work. And yet I am still really suffering, right? Mm-hmm. So how is it that I might be just sort of putting a positive love and light and here is the meaning I'm quickly making of this versus actually feeling the feelings of what has hurt me, right? Mm -hmm. What has been really difficult um, and that there isn't always a quick spin to be put on something. Sometimes we actually have to stay in the shadow. We have to stay in the darkness for a while. And I think it's important to note too, and you guys will hear this, um, you know, and this isn't me saying anything in particular about a specific religion or religion just in a whole, but I have found that, and, and I've heard spiritual bypassing actually used a lot in terms with people who place a lot of their spiritual growth in a specific religion mm-hmm. and how sometimes when we, basically what it is, is, you're placing it outside of yourself. It's almost like you're handing it over to somebody, right? And how much that can be a form of spiritual bypassing because you're being told who and what and how to be versus to your point, really sitting with kind of the shadow that is all of us, whether we like it or not. Yes, absolutely. Okay, guys, enjoy this one. This was a really interesting episode. Today we have Simone, and Simone actually wrote in um, with a couple things actually that she wanted to talk about. And you know, it's always interesting to me when somebody writes in with a few different things, and and it feels almost like they maybe aren't sure what specifically they want to talk about, but it feels like there's a you know there's a handful of things kind of rattling around. And then when Danae and I usually meet ahead of time and kind of go over what it is that you want to discuss, we and I'm kind of speaking for you, Danae, but we kind of feel like a lot of themes pop out. It's like, oh, you broke it down into these few things, but actually it feels like a few of them are one. And so I'm going to let you kind of fill us in, but it sounds like, I'll, I'll see if I can give an abbreviation, you're 40 at this point, right? And it feels <laughs> like there's something about moving into your truth and who you want to be and making big changes and the struggle mm-hmm. around that. And it also sounds like there's some relationship confusion that's thrown in there as well. And, mm-hmm. and that's my two second, and I don't want to minimize. So I want to actually let you give us you know, the full background. So please, Simone. Sure. Absolutely. First of all, I want to thank you both for the amazing work that you're doing. Oh. I've been listening to your podcast for the last several weeks and um, 
everything that you've done has just really resonated with me. So I just want to thank you for, for um, you know, providing the service to the public. And I think it's resonating with a lot of people. So just want to put that out there. Um, yeah, I, I uh, put quite a few things on my comments list. I, I think they all interconnect into one big thing, as you said. Um, but as I've been preparing for this, I've really tried to narrow my focus and see what is it that I can benefit from both of your expertise um, and, and targeting really what, what is it that I want to talk about today. So just a little bit of background. I am 40, as you said, I'll be 41 in a couple of weeks. And I feel like this is just such an amazing time, you know, going through so much of, you know, all the growing pains of, of growing up, you know, and so I feel like I'm in a more solid place in my life right now and ready to move on to the next chapter, but feeling a little bit stuck, maybe from decisions in my past and just not quite having let go yet. Although I've done a lot of work. I've been in therapy for the last 20 years mm. and uh, I've been through, I can't count how many therapists, but I feel like I've gone through every diagnosis of anxiety, depression, OCD, bipolar. I mean, like, I feel like I've been labeled everything. Wow. A lot of it I feel is conditional. I mean, I was on antidepressants for many, many years, anti-anxiety medication for many, many years. And one day, this was about five years ago, I just decided, you know, I want to see what I'm like without it. And I, I probably should have consulted a doc, my doctor, but I just, you know, I was on very low dosages at the time. So I did uh, wean myself off and I've been medication free for many, many years. And it's been awesome. I I'm feeling more, I'm in a healthier place in my life. I have job security. I have a very stable family situation you know, all of those things I feel like have really fallen into place. Mm -hmm. So with all that being said, um, right now where I feel I'm at in life is, uh, I feel like there should be a little bit of background information. I, uh, I grew up Mormon, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a wonderful religion. I, I still believe wholeheartedly in a lot of the teachings, but in that time of childhood and teenage years, I always had this idea of perfectionism, that my, that my family was perfect, that this religion, you know, wanted you to be perfect. And if you weren't, if you didn't reach this far, uh, you were less than. So that was my own internal struggle for many, many, many years. It didn't really have anything to do with the religion. It was just more, you know, every Sunday I'd be like, oh, I just feel so guilty. I'm just not perfect. You know, that kind of built up for, for a long time, which I know is, is common in religion. I don't think that's the intent, but I think that's a lot of times that's how we perceive it, mm -hmm. you know? So I was a highly sexual person at a very young age. I uh, developed very quickly. I come from a very tall family. So I was five foot 10 at 11 years old. Wow. And I was, I had boobs. I had started my period in fourth mm. grade. I mean, I just, I, I, and at the time I was thinking what's wrong with me when really I just, you know, you have no control over how you develop. Mm -hmm. So I was making out with boys at like seven years old. I mean, I was always the girl that was like hiding in the bushes and, um, you know, just finding anywhere I could to, to get this fix, 
I guess, uh, you know, of, of sexual um, exploration, I guess. And I just finished listening to your podcast with Susie. So I'm like, <laughs> everything that she's saying, I'm like, I get that. Going through this as a kid didn't really fit in alignment with my religious beliefs and, you know, uh, upbringing. So that's where the guilt was coming in every Sunday. It's like, oh, I just I totally made out with this boy and, and I shouldn't be. I should be waiting till marriage and, you know, all this stuff. Da, 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 da. So fast forward to, let's see, my first year in college um, was the first time I had sex. And I got pregnant on the first time I had sex. I didn't know how sex worked. I, I don't think we really talked about that in, in my family. And not, not to anybody's fault. I just think it wasn't talked about. So I, I didn't know how it worked. And here I am, 19 years old, pregnant with a guy I, you know, I liked, but wasn't, you know, a, a huge thing. And my immediate thought was, I have to have an abortion. I, I cannot let my family know. I, this, this is, you know, this will bring shame to my name, to their name, all that, that, that. So it was very quick. Um, he was supportive. We did it very quickly. Nobody knew, but that was definitely the start of a huge downward spiral. So fast forward a couple months later, I get pregnant again with the same guy and um, I'm very fertile by the way. <laughs> and uh, this, and this time I'm like, you know, I'm, absolutely not having another abortion. But I, I, I also, he wasn't Mormon and I, I could only wrap my head around marrying a Mormon. So we decided to give the baby up for adoption. So that spiraled me further into depression because all I ever wanted to be was a mom. I mean, if you asked me at seven years old, you know, throughout my childhood, what is it when you want to be when you grow up? My answer was always a mom. So here I have this opportunity to be a mom, but I wasn't quite ready. So, um, so we did the adoption through the Mormon church. It was very open. I still today, I mean, he's 21 years old today and uh, I hope he does come and find me. Um, you know, I hope we reconnect sometime. So, uh, I say all that to say, I think that was really the start of, of, of the downward spiral. Since then, um, there's a little more to the story. I did get on birth control, finally, for like five years. And then I decided, you know what, I'm not going to have sex again until I'm married. Um, this is it. I'm really going to commit myself to God, da, 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 and got off birth control. Very quickly thereafter, I was pregnant again. Wow. Um, so I've gone through a lot of trauma around sex not only as a child but also you know as as a teenager and into my 20s um i gave the second baby up for adoption as well to the same family that took my first child and um that was at 25. so from 25 until 40 these last 15 years I have such a psychological block or, or, or ramifications from sex with men. Yeah. So that has kind of shifted me into relationships with women. Mm -hmm. And I'm not gay. I've never, uh, I never in a million years could have foreseen myself with a woman. Um, but here it's been the last 15 years that I've transitioned into this new 
area and all of these women that I've been with have all started off as my friend. You know, it was never like, um, oh, I'm so attracted to you. I want to, I want to, I want to pursue that and see what it's like. It's like, hey, this is my best friend. I feel super comfortable with her. And then like one night it led to something else. So I've been in relationships with women the last 15 years. Although I can like mentally wrap myself around why, you know, again, all this psychological trauma from being with men and that women are safer. And I mean, safer in the sense of, uh, I'm, I'm not going to get pregnant, yeah. <laughs> you know, like a, just a very hard fact, mm -hmm. um, but also safer in, you know, companionship and, and, you know, uh, understanding and, you know, all of that. But every relationship I've been in, intimacy has always been a problem because, again, I'm not attracted to the same sex. And I end up staying in these relationships for many, many years waiting for the other person to break up with me. So here I've been in this relationship for the last two years with a very good friend. She's uh, amazing, awesome. Um, you know, I've, I've been talking to my therapist for two years about, I really just wish she was a man, but she's not. So, you know, I've, you know, been working on how to get over this hump of, uh, speaking my truth, um, living in, in, you know, really my therapist says, you know, moving into the driver's seat of your life and really taking charge of who you are. And um, again, for me, just moving into the next chapter. And I'm trying so hard, you know, I meditate, I do yoga, I go to therapy, I uh, do a lot of work on opening the chakras. I mean, I feel like I'm doing all the right things, um, but I try so hard to not live in regret, you know, like I, 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 I regret, um, the abortion that that if I could change one thing in my life that that would be what it is um but I regret like these last 15 years and and mm. I just feel like it's time wasted you know like I could have been doing something so much greater again maybe fulfilling my destiny of being a mom I don't know or maybe it's just fulfilling my destiny of being a woman you know I mean whatever it is I just feel like I've been stuck so I think that about covers it <laughs> So many so, thoughts, Simone. So much. I was just the same thing today. I'm like, I don't so know. Where do I start? I knew you would. <laughs> yeah. You know, I guess there's a lot there to unpack, as I feel mm -hmm. like you would say. Mm -hmm. And I guess the first question that's coming up for me, Simone, is how do you feel like you hold today the idea of being gay? Like, what does it mean to you today for someone to be gay? What comes up when I, I say that? You know, even say... Um, talk about homosexuality like I visceral am, reaction oh I'm a huge supporter I'm mm. so accepting of all people I have many gay friends I um fight for gay rights you know I mean it's a very uh open supportive relationship I mm. think again just going back to my preference is I am attracted to men mm. But it's not, it's not a judgment on anybody else. You know, it's, it's, it's not, it's actually, I've done a lot of work on not judging myself either, you know? 
And so if I feel like my truth is that I'm attracted to men, I'm wondering if it feels like a constant self-betrayal to be in relationships over and over again with women. Definitely. And I really, uh, again, done a lot of work on this. Um, what is it that's stopping me from speaking up? Mm -hmm. And I've pinpointed it to two areas. Number one, I'm a huge people pleaser. So mm -hmm. I feel, I don't think I've ever broken up with anybody, to be quite honest, men or women. And I think that comes from not wanting to hurt somebody else's feelings. Mm -hmm. So I think that's its own issue. And then I think the other issue is um, I'm afraid of being alone and, mm. and, and not being with her or whoever the, is in her place means I'm alone. So that's obviously the deeper issue of, okay, how, how, is it, how can I be okay alone? Right. So betraying yourself in a sense is less risky or less hurtful than potentially betraying somebody else or being alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what would you say is the longest period of time you have been alone or not in a relationship? Um, I mean, definitely stretches of time, like at least a year or more. And, you know, nothing bad happens. There's actually a lot of, you know, amazing growth that comes from being alone. And actually with this quarantine, I mean, we're all home. So there's been so much growth. Mm -hmm. uh, being alone, you know, and I, and, you know, that's one of the reasons I, I'm reaching out to you and, and just, I feel like I'm moving closer to where I want to go. I literally think it's, I mean, I know her, I, I think it's going to be such a quick conversation mm -hmm. of, Hey, so-and-so guess what? I'm not gay. I, I love you. I still want to, you know, continue our friendship, but I'm, I'm just, I'm just not gay. And, and she actually knows that. I mean, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, you guys have been together for two years. What kind yeah. of conversations have you had around this? I mean, I'm assuming this idea of not being quote unquote attracted to women. If you're in a relationship with somebody for two years, you're intimate with them. So mm -hmm. how, how do those conversations go? I mean, or do they? So I was in a relationship before her with a friend of ours. So the three of us were friends. And when the previous girl and I broke up, she did the breaking up. I, that's how I started um, hanging out with this current person more. And it, before we got together, I remember having a conversation with her like, yeah, well, we broke up because I'm not gay. So she already knows that. And she's not gay either. Like, I'm the first girl that she's ever been with. She's also 40. And so we're in this like weird space of, hey, we're friends, but, you know, I, I think she would want to take this relationship further. I mean, she's not really interested in marriage, not really interested in kids, which also isn't in alignment with my values either uh, or my desires. And so I just feel like we're it's like companionship, right? Yeah, I mean, companionship. And we're, so we're passing time. We're passing time with each other. And hmm. um, we always enjoy our time together. And the first year, the intimacy actually was okay. I, I'm always able to kind of block out the, um, whatever you call it, guilt, uh, betrayal for a period of time. And then it always catches up to me. So the, this past year, definitely um, the intimacy 
has become an issue. Mm -hmm. And when she has brought it up, I mean, she's opening the door wide open for me to say, you know, this is not working for me or, you know, this is not really who I am. And I always, I mean, it's happened like a handful of times now I've deflected, you know, I've, you know, like, what are you talking about? You know, type thing. And then, and then that's the end of that conversation for for that day. I want to, I'm going to just make a statement here because I feel like it's kind of worthy of saying out loud because it's something that I actually have to remind myself a lot of too, right? Which is this idea of going back to what I was saying about this, the self-betrayal is kind of almost easier than this feeling of betraying somebody else. In my personal work that I've done with codependency, um, one of the things that I have learned and struggle with even still is this idea that I'm not actually helping or being nice or being kind or loving to the other person by not being honest, I'm actually hurting them. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that and I'm not, I'm not trying to like guilt or shame you about that. Right. It's just that there's this, there's this thing that we tell ourselves, which is if I people please, or if I, if I don't hurt that person, I'm being the nicer person or I'm being kind. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, that's actually something we really need to disentangle because it's not really the truth. Right. We're doing it to kind of save ourselves in a way from the discomfort of actually mm-hmm. having to be honest with somebody, mm-hmm. which actually isn't about the other person. That's about us, right? And so I'm, I'm kind of just like cutting to it right now because I, to Danae's point, there's so much to unpack here that I could get you, we could talk with, for you for, with you for three hours, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But at least in this moment, that statement is kind of what's coming up for me the most, which is how does it feel when I almost turn this a little bit of a harsh mirror on you and say like, you're not really doing this to save them, you're actually doing this to save you. I know that sounds intense, but I just want to put mm-hmm. it out there. Oh no, I, I, uh, I know that. Yeah. I, again, I've done a lot of work around this. Yeah. And so, I feel like that's why I feel like I can say it because you know, yeah, you know yeah. a lot of therapy. I'm sure you, you've heard it all. So that's why I'm like, what does that, how does that resonate with you? That, that yeah. thought or that statement? I, well, you know, like, like I said, I, I do know that this passing of time is preventing us both from our next thing. It doesn't necessarily have to be a next person, but our, our next thing in life, you know, I mean, um, I, I feel, um, kind of another, one of the bullet points on my, um, comment form was, you know, feeling really lonely at 40. I mean, I don't have, again, growing up Mormon, many of my girlfriends got married at like 19, 20, you know, they've all, they have, they all have four or five kids now and, uh, being single at 40 is, you know, even though you try to stay connected with people, um, and I went to college out of state, so I don't really have like college friends. I, I think that I'm, I'm holding on to this person, not only for companionship, not for friendship too. You know, I just, I just don't have a lot of girlfriends. So I, I think of it in that way too. Like, yes, I'm preventing us both from our next thing, but this is also like one of my only friends, you know? So I, it might be a little bit selfish and like, well, I, I want to have somebody to do something with on Friday night, you know? So yeah. I think it's, it's more, it's uh, some, some friendship things too. But being with this person so much is preventing me from making new friends. Like, you know, I, I totally right. get the, log- the logic of all of it. I just... Yeah, I'm going to jump in, Simone, and sort of um, a little bit in line with what we're talking about, about you've done a lot of work, 
you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think I, I feel really strongly that there's a truth that, you know, that it becomes, this is the truth that at some point I have to face, I have to step into, and I'm just sort of putting it off. And I resonate so deeply with where you are. I'm recently uncoupled at 41. And, you know, I remember I always used to hear Oprah talk about, you know, you become in four, at 40, the person that you know you should have been all along. And at 41, I feel that so deeply. Mm -hmm. Like I have come into up-leveled next version of myself that I've been waiting this whole time to become. And I would offer you, Simone, that it is time for you to start your next love affair. And it is with the person in the mirror. It is time for you to start to fall deeply in love with yourself. Who is Simone? What does she love? What does she need? What turns her on? What turns her off? What does she want to do if she has the entire day to herself? And mm -hmm. start to just like really you know, it's that, that whole thing of the only way out is through. You have got mm -hmm. to stay in the discomfort of what it feels like to be alone. And sister, I'm mm -hmm. right there with you. There is no comfortable way around it except to be in it. Mm -hmm. And so it's feel the feelings time, you know? And I think you know that. I think yeah. you know that the only way through this, the only way to sort of get to the next level of my life is to be with myself in a really real way and um, stop using other people to Vanessa's point um, as distractions from that. Cause I think we hide in relationships a lot of times, mm -hmm. you know, I think they can be a place for us to hide from ourselves. Yeah, I uh, definitely, I do do a lot of self-improvement again, the meditation, the yoga, the um, self care. I, I think not having kids allows you to do more of that, right. you know? So I, I do feel like I'm, I have that piece down. I think I agree with you about, and I, I've also done a lot of work on this, is I, I don't know if I like myself very much, mm. you know? And so how do I start to love myself when I, when I don't, and there are parts of myself that I like. I mean, when I, when I write in my gratitude journal every night, I do like, you know, three things I'm grateful for. And then lately, the last several months, my last thing is name something you like about yourself, just so I can kind of grow that muscle. Mm -hmm. of okay you do have good qualities and I'm I'm kind of a a social extrovert mm -hmm. no 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 a social introvert I like being around people but I don't like to be the center of attention so I find myself you know for me to have fun you know um is is going out and going to concerts and you know like doing things with people and so just being by myself i mean it's hard for me to even get out as much as i i live right by the beach and i every day say just get out and walk you know but i i'm so kind of in my head about just being alone by myself i mean i'll text somebody and i'll say do you want to go for a walk mm -hmm. and if they are busy or whatever then i don't go here's the thing about what Danae said that resonated with me about this idea and then what you said about how do i do this right like how do i love myself when they're there are parts of myself I like, there are parts of myself I don't, which I think a lot of people can resonate with that, that feeling. Again, what's coming up for me strongly, and maybe this is kind of like, Danae and I, obviously our background is in depth psychology. So for me, I tend to go to the depths, which, and Danae and I are both yoginis and we're both meditators. And so I feel you on the, like, I have that piece down. Mm -hmm. When I say go to the depths, what I'm saying is I think part of your journey to love yourself and love being alone is going to be not about gratitude journaling and about saying what you like about yourself. 
I actually think it might be time for you to bring up all of the darkness that you don't like and start there. Because in a lot of times, and I'm saying this even from personal experience, the yoga and the meditation and all of those things, while wonderful, can also be a form of hiding. Because in a lot of those communities, there's this thing that I like to call, not me, just me, it's not my term, spiritual bypassing. Which is, if I just write a gratitude journal or if I just stay positive, then I'm on the right path. And we call that bypassing because you're bypassing the real work, which is actually turning towards your shadow. Mm-hmm. You cannot love yourself if you don't do the shadow work, if you don't learn to bring out of the shadows, the parts of yourself that you're ashamed of, that you think are dirty and rotten and ugly and gross and actually start there. Because otherwise you're just continually like a rock on a surface of the water. You're just skipping over. And, and I say that with so much love because I've, I've started and I've, I've done a lot of that work myself. And let me tell you, it's fucking hard. Again, as somebody who is a yogi and does the meditation and all the things, I also hit a wall and realize like I'm keeping myself, it's almost, again, to use the water metaphor, it's like I'm treading water on the surface because I'm way too scared to actually let this shit sink me down to the bottom of the lake. That's where the self-love starts. Mm-hmm. And I think to Danae's point, on top of what I'm saying, a lot of that's going to come from being alone which is like a double whammy for you because that in itself is scary, right? Yeah, and I just want to add to what Vanessa's saying in the context of the entire journey. I think when we go down to the space of the depth, we start to hold our entire story, our entire journey up to this point differently. You know, it becomes that my Angelou thing of like, wouldn't take nothing for my journey now because I understand why I had to go through each and every aspect of this struggle to get to where I am. But we can't get there until we look at each and every aspect of it and really Not intellectually. Right. By the way. Feeling. Absolutely. Which talk therapy, obviously we're both therapists, so I'm not saying I don't love it because I've been in therapy too for the last 10 plus years. Talk therapy, very, very often, it's so intellectual that we never actually get down to the bottom of the lake. We just talk about the bottom of the lake. Mm-hmm. So what That's- actions would you recommend what I would recommend someone, and I'm going to just like so bluntly say, girl, you need to be alone. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that I feared most was the thing that set me free, girl. Mm-hmm. I cannot tell you how much I resonate with that deep fear of being by myself. And I am telling you, understanding that the feeling of it did not and would not kill me has liberated me in a way that I cannot put into words. It's the only thing that will liberate you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. the thing you fear most, you got to go into that. That is walking into the shadow. Mm-hmm. That is how you do it. If and this is the thing I'm most afraid of, that's what I need. That will and it's going to feel like you want to rip your skin off, mm-hmm. but you got to do it anyway. You got to yeah. sit down and look at her and have the conversation and then do the thing of being alone, even if it makes you want to just literally crawl out of your own skin. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the only way. Yeah. I, and definitely, um, you know, I feel like I might be self-sabotaging the relationship by withholding sex, uh, kind of subconsciously. So she'll break up with me, you know, and my therapist, my therapist has said, that's the only way to move into the driver's seat is you, you have, you have to do it. You've been in so many relationships where you stayed in longer than you should have waiting for the other person. So this is, yeah, this is the only way to, um, take, 
control. And here's the thing, the universe continues to present us over and over and over again with that opportunity. It's then our choice whether or not we're going to take that opportunity or not, right? So if you don't take that opportunity now in this relationship to move into the driver's seat, she's going to break up with you. And then this cycle is going to start all over again with somebody new, most likely. And you're just going to continue this cycle, right? What's like until we quote unquote learn that lesson, like it just keeps getting presented over and over again. And in so many ways, this is your lesson and it's, it's being dangled in front of you. It's mm -hmm. just whether or not you're going to reach out and actually take it. And I want to say again, like, I feel like we could be on this call for three hours because there is so much here that we could go into. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like today and I, in a lot of ways, we're very kind of like blunt with you. And so I want to just kind of ask how that sits with you or kind of any lingering thoughts or feelings that are coming up based on what we just talked about. Um, I mean, it's all good stuff. It's not anything I haven't heard before. Mm -hmm. of course, um, of course. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I need to continue to hear it. I know it's the right thing to do. I, again, have gone through a lot of trauma that I feel I've put in its place and have accepted. And, and even these last 15 years with women, I mean, relationships, regardless, you're going to learn something from them. So every relationship I've been in, I've learned how to be a better communicator, mm -hmm. how I, how I, the things that I like about someone, the things that I don't, you know, so everything, every relationship has had its, um, its benefit. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just feel like, I don't know, again, I, I feel like this age 40, I, it's like, okay, I'm ready. I'm like ready for the next mm -hmm. chapter. Yes, you know? girl. And, yeah. <laughs> I want, you know, what I want you to do is, have you done any 12-step work at all? Mm -hmm. I just started two months ago. Okay. Yeah. Good. That's what's up. <laughs> I want you to really start to look at like, what are my ways that I numb? What are my ways that I don't feel feelings? What are my ways that I check out of the present moment rather than mm -hmm. sitting with the discomfort of being with myself? And I think 12-step work work around addiction is a really great way to do that. You know, there's like a 12 step group for everything, for shopping, for relationships, for drugs, whatever you need it for, especially, you know. For codependency, which in itself is an addiction. 100%. And, you know, right now was amazing time to do it because they have online um, virtual groups for everyone. And what I would say yeah. is that, you know, you are about to step into the most important relationship of this lifetime. And that is the one with you. And I think that is your work. And, you know, um, I'd love if you would stay connected with Vanessa and I and just like send us a message and let us know how it's going because we're going to yeah. be thinking about you. But this really is your work right now to stay in the discomfort. I think one of the most powerful lessons that we can learn is, in this life is that no feeling will kill us and that being with ourselves sometimes through the waves of discomfort, it passes, right? So can I start to just like really do the work of being with myself without the distractions, without whatever the thing is that I'm using to not feel the feelings? Can I stay with me? We really appreciate you being willing to come on and talk about it because I know so many people, I mean, everyone <laughs> so deeply resonates with what you're talking about. It's true for so many of us. And I think eventually we have to sort of sit in it and stay with ourselves through it. So if it's honest, then it's raw. And I appreciate you kind of bringing that to, you know, no sugarcoating. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, ladies. I appreciate mm. your insight and your time. And uh, yeah, it's just making the leap. Yeah. Well, please stay you in touch with us, do. okay? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, we'll do. All right, All right Simone. Be well. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at Vanessa S. Bennett and at Danae Logan Selkin.